Welcome back to the EAHC podcast. This is episode number 13, uh, and we are doing our 2019 East Anglia Hobbit Community League review slash league finale um, discussion, because we're not reviewing the event per se, because it will take too long. But we have got a couple of the players who actually played, and they're going to talk us through their lists and the local meta of the event, because I think some people might be interested in that. Um, and we've actually got a lot of people here today. So Jack's here for once. Hello. Give us some shade because he's never here. Um, yeah. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, Dan's back again. Say hello, Dan. Hello. Nice to see you all. And, uh, and CJ's back. So we've all been here before. Hi. Um, I think CJ's now got almost as many podcasts. And Dan's almost got as many podcasts as Jack has. So keep throwing under the bus. <laughs> I'm competitive by nature. I'm racing Dan. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I am still suffering with a bit of a sore throat and a cough, so I'm going to try and talk as little as possible. We're going to start with the league finale event. Yeah, should so, we just run uh, through an overview of the day, and then we can about the, the format, Jack, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So it was 600 points, four games, and as we've discussed before, it was 650. It was 650 points, four games. As we've mentioned before, it was split into two tiers based on league, uh, final league positions. So we had the top tier, if you like, which was the Stanley Hobbit Community Trophy, which James Richardson has produced for us, which there's pictures on on the group. Uh, quick shout out to James, friend of the channel. Um, <laughs> but it's, no, it, honestly, it was it was really good. It's been a couple of years in the making. Um, Sean originally started it off, and it's just all kind of come together now. And it's now kept in the cupboard of dust at Epping. It is. <laughs> we'll have to get some kind of plastic box for it or something, but we'll sort yeah. that out. So, yeah, that was so the East Anglia Hobbit Community Trophy. And we also had the EAHC Shield, which was the second 12 best-placing players. And, of course, the way things are, some of the players who did finish within those top 24 couldn't make it. And in the end due to people not being able to make it for various issues and some late dropouts, which does happen. We went down to 12 in the trophy. I was eager to keep that as at 12. And then it was eight eventually in the shield. Was that 12 in the um, trophy? I could have sworn that went down to 10. I thought it was 10 in the trophy and six in the shield. Have I got so, that wrong? No, it's definitely eight in the shield. It was, um, 10 and eight. Okay. it was 10 and 8. I know it was 10 and 8, sorry. Yes, 10 and 8. It was a case of trying to keep the numbers even, but mm. without having so few players in the shield that it was almost you would play the same people three times. So, yeah, that was right. So it went for a 10 and a 8 split. And what I did was went along the list. So the people who were the first, second, third, fourth players in the shield were asked if they were willing to move up and everyone did. I tried to not move it down. I thought I'd only give people the option to move up and everyone was happy to accommodate it. So a quick shout out to Sam and mm. Costas for being willing to move up. And it was quite mm -hmm. short notice. I think Costas was actually on the morning of it as well. So um, my fault for not playing. Yeah. Shout out to them for accommodating everyone effectively. And also uh, to say that um, because of a dropout on the morning of the event, Jack had to step back from playing, which I know he was quite keen to do um, yeah, it was, in order it was, to TO. Yeah, it was always, it's always tough to play and TO, but I've managed it so far this year because 
the events are quite relaxed and everyone's kind of on the same page, just wants to have fun and just the odd walls query just to get a kind of second opinion is basically the extent of the kind of things you have to sort out in our events. Right. So, yeah, Games. unfortunately, I had to drop out, which was a shame. But a spanky, they're not all here off. It's fine. Yes, that's <laughs> true. We, we had, like, what, four models each, and I got absolutely wrecked. <laughs> so the format, 650, four games, and it was a seeded draw for the first game, which was the top half of the draw were drawn against the bottom half of the draw, just mm-hmm. to give some kind of benefit for finishing in the top half of the league. Otherwise, there was no difference for someone who finished 12th and 1st. So, But rather than having someone who was then the bottom in the draw for the trophy to play the top, because then no one would be willing to move up if it was just top versus bottom. It would be a case of at least there was a chance of the top half playing the bottom half, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So after that, it was the normal rankings, Swiss rankings uh, going through. And even then, some more people did accommodate us later on because of we actually had two dropouts during the day, which reasons for I'll go on to in a sec. Uh, not bad reasons. Um, so it was Kieran, Will, uh, Johnny, Dan and CJ. Between all of you, you were willing to slightly change one of the draws just to accommodate people not playing the same person over and over again, which was a shame that we had to do that, but I think everyone was, was happy with it in the end. But um, yes, that kind of worked out. It was two-hour games, and the intention of the two-hour games was to allow everything to go to conclusion. Um, with hindsight, two-hour games, some games do need it. Other games were finished within about 45 minutes. <laughs> so there was a lot of waiting around for people. So next year, it will probably be back down to your normal kind of length of games rather than trying to force them to conclusion because as much as that works for some of the games, most people were done well within the time and there was a bit of waiting around. Well, so, it depends because if you've got an all-hero army, that's not going to last very long. There was Contest of Champions, which infamously can be finished by you know turn two. Um, so it, it varies a lot. Um, yeah. But some games like the first round with heirlooms uh, did need the extra time. Yeah. And, but then the, the, as I was talking to people at the event, I am going to put up a feedback survey. I've just not had a chance to sit down since the... Sunday when I put the results up I haven't had a chance to sit down again and I'll get everyone's general feedback and kind of go with the majority which is, seems to be kind of working with the feedback so far and potentially look at making them not short games but not having so much extra time to allow conclusion. That was, I think every single one of my games went to conclusion. Yeah I think it was the top <laughs> the top yeah. two or three tables maybe yeah. I, I mean I would have been happy I would have been happier with the you know ending perhaps a little bit sooner because uh, yeah I mean the, the what I don't think was necessary for them to go to a conclusion but it was good to have the option. But, yeah, so mm-hmm. so that's something we can maybe work on for next year. There's plenty of time to to, to look at things and change things about slightly. But um, so yeah, it's two hour games, four games. First one seeded draw, next one Swiss rankings, and split into two tiers, which was effectively two different competitions with prizes for the first, second, third, the overall best army, overall most sporting, and the wooden spoon in each competition as well. Mm. And I suppose while we're on it, we may as well go through the winners. 
uh, and then that will lead on to the lists nicely, I believe. Yeah. So I've got the Excel sheet up. So we'll do the shield first. So taking home the wooden spoon for the shield was Stephen Booth, and he had a Balrog and a Dragon. That was his army. Hmm. Um, saying that some of his games oh, wow. weren't as far away as some of the score lines. Oh, mate, show. he was so unlucky in uh, heirlooms. Yeah. So, did he uh, lose contest to champions with that list? I think did he play Sauron though? Uh, yeah. And um, so yeah, but no. He, I speaking to Stephen, he seemed to enjoy all of his games. There was no hard feelings in in losing. But he took home a great trophy, and in all honesty, of the individual trophies, that wooden spoon did genuinely look really good. It did. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so third place in the shield was Ryan Carrington. So this was his first East Anglia event. So whilst the league was intended to be for players who, the finale rather, intended to be for players who attended league events throughout the year, due to people not being able to make it and dropouts and things, it was offered up to the wider community, and it was his first event. And managed to place third, which was really good. That's pretty good going. And there was a couple of others so, uh, who come down, and along with Stephen. It was Stephen, John, uh, Alex, and Ryan's first, of, not Stephen's, but John, Alex, and Ryan's first event with us, I believe. Mm, and they were eager to come down to more next year, so that, that was good. Mm. And second was Sam Palmer, who attended one of our events during the year. And mm-hmm. Clayton, who's came away first. He's on a bit of a roll at the moment. I think he was telling me he's won his last seven East Anglia games in a row and he carried nice. that through to the finale and won all four games and took home the shield. Great so form there. Doing well. They all got first, second, third, all got individual trophies and we've got the shield which will be engraved yearly similar to the trophy and then I think there was talk of potentially whoever wins it the most maybe keeping them or maybe just keeping them in the Covered. We'll, we'll see how that how that pans out as well. Mm. So yeah, well done to everyone there. Um, well done to Clayton for winning, but not just everyone in that competition had a good good day talking to everyone, and all the games were played in good spirits, but with a slightly competitive edge, which was the kind of intention of the finale instead of just another league event. Mm. So going on to the trophy, so uh, taking home the wooden spoon. For this was Sam Huddy. Him and Tom had a, a fierce battle <laughs> for the wooden spoon on the bottom <laughs> table. And again, that was that was something that was slightly changed for throughout the day as well, due to Costas had to leave because he had to go to work, I believe, because it was a slightly later event than we normally do for reasons we've spoke about before. And Jason had to leave as well. He was flying high, second place going into the last game. But unfortunately, he worked on the same by his own admission. He didn't realise it was going to be such a later event because we are used to having them finish about six o'clock. Mm. And I think this did run till about after seven. It was by the time the last game was done, potentially. But um, So, yeah, especially a little mention to Jason there. He was doing well, and I'm sure he'll be back next year to compete again. Um, so, Sam Hardy took home the wooden spoon. Third place was Johnny, his Isengard list. Second was Dan, and who took yep. home the trophy. Well, didn't literally take the trophy. Took home his trophy, and will be engraved onto the league trophy. Was CJ? 
Well done. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, and in credit, the the second and third, Dan and Johnny, had those were the two games that basically I almost lost. They gave me incredibly difficult games. So. Yeah, the last, the top three tables, I think, going into the third game, I think any one of those could have, could have won it if a few results went away or a few dice rolls went their way. And, um, mm. But no, it worked out as we intended when we were discussing the format. So the players who won the Shield and the Trophy, respectively, both won all their four games and were the only people to do so. So okay. I think it's a... Uh, We've got two fair winners at the top of those. Speaking of uh, Dan and CJ, what we could do, we could pop in, drop into your lists and a quick overview of, of your games. We won't do a blow-by-blow blow for every game because we'll be here all week. Mm-hmm. But, CJ uh, did ask in the questions what my list and your list would have been. So I've got mine. We could go through that as should well. We do, should we do ours first? Because it will just be quick because we haven't got games to go through. And then yeah, okay. And CJ. Um, yes. So yep. I was going with Pirates. Um because I have had a lot of fun using them this year. Um, so I had Dalamir with um, six Arbalesters, six Corsairs with Shield, six Corsairs with Spear and Shield. I had a Hasharin um, with six Black Numenorians, three Arbalesters, and six Corsairs with Spear and Shield. I then had a Captain with a Crossbow, and he had uh, two Black Numenorians, a Black Numenorian with a Banner, three Arbalesters and five Corsairs with Shield and uh, and Spear. No. They're no, horrible just, pirate just, crossbows. Just with yeah. Shield, sorry. Just with Shield. So um, the idea was obviously the Black Numenorians give me Defence 6 and they cause Terror mm-hmm. and I had 13 crossbows. So, mm-hmm. And their crossbows are Defence 6, aren't they? To get shot at, yeah. Yeah. Good list. Uh, it had 47 models as well. So. Oh, God. <laughs> that would have probably been the highest model count there, I guess. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I think you would, actually. Because I think CJ and Dan, you both uh, will go and say after you had a high model count, but I don't think it was anywhere near 47. Mine was I mean, CJ's list would have been a very hard counter for mine, and so would of um, Kieran had Kurdan, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, there was two two lists yeah. potentially that would have just null and void all my shooting, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. the rest of the rest of people's lists in that competition, I might have done all right. So yeah, yeah. okay. So the list I was intending to take uh, was going to be I've recently started painting up Mordor one because it's great value in the box set and you've pretty much got a whole army ready to go, and two I've decided to give the Witch King a bit of a run out because I missed using magic but still wanted a big hero that could kill stuff. So I thought, what better than the Witch King with the crown on the Fell Beast to kind of do both? Mm. So that's the where my army started out from. And then I just filled it out with Moranans. I think it worked out as about 28 Moranans, something like that, with front ranks, shield, and whatever hand weapon they have, and back rank, shield, and spear with a banner, two war riders, and Kardush. And then I had a discussion about either taking the Mouth of Sauron. I think I spoke to Josh and Dan about this or a ring wraith on fell beasts and uh, come to the conclusion that the mouth of sauron on horse was probably better so i decided to take the ring wraith on horse because i just like the idea of having different spells and being able to do some different bits with it mm. so yeah that army kind of sprung out from what did the wraith different... have 
what was his stats? Oh, just um, seven will, two might, two fate, I think. Um, the two fate, purely because if it's fog of war, can't be killed mm. as easy kind of thing. Two might, yeah. because might's always great. And seven will, because I didn't want to, he was never going to be doing a lot. He was just kind of to maybe drain some will off a, off a wizard or a hero and maybe get a kind of catch someone out with a compel. In, and then allowing 65? the witch king. I don't know. How many points is that? 85? Uh, with a horse, yes. Yeah, he's 55 base, so plus 20, 75, and 85, yeah. So he's, he's so it's similar I'd price to the mouth. I'd have gone with the mouth. Yeah, that's what I, the mouth oh, is. I would too. Bad, but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I never really usually go with what's obvious and do something stupid. It's not obvious. The mouth's, mouth's and great. also, I've, I've loved the mouth since he was bad, so it's fine. And also, the, the Wraith. Uh, the Felbeast kit from the start set has a normal Wraith model with it and nice. it fits perfectly onto a horse so I didn't yeah, have to oh. buy another model Fair enough So yeah that was intention but it actually wasn't painted anyway so the army I was going to take which then become the Ringer army was just Berserkers, Saruman Banner Ugh. and Grima which is a bit horrible but it was all oh, I had painted of Isengard and a few pikes. Mm-hmm. But he's actually quite a decent list, but low model count. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure how it would have fared up, but it would have been interesting. Fair enough. I so, played yeah. um, Matt Wielding at Reading. So that was 500 points. And literally all he had was um, Saruman on horse, Grima, uh, and uh, 17 Berserkers and a banner. And it was uh, horrible. Oh, no. <laughs> it just, if you lost a fight, you were dead. Yeah. So dead. Um, oh, that's grim. If you throw a few pikes in there as well, that becomes four, att- well, effectively four attacks, mm-hmm. potentially five if you stack the pikes up where you really need them, and it is quite strong. I found that out by accident when I first got back into the hobby. Um, yeah, they're pretty mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. So should we go with? Well, sure. if you both want to run through your lists and then both do your games, so yes. Dan, you go for yours first. Yeah, cool. Um, I so I ran Angmar, and it was the Witch King on Felbeast with the Crown of Morgul and the Morgul Blade. So that was three seventeen three. Might well have Um And then I had the Shade. <laughs> yep. And uh, Barrow White, and then uh, two Spectres, and then. A mix of orcs. So I had about 33 orcs, one with a banner, two on war riders. That's not bad. Yeah, that was my that was my Angmar list. So um yeah, something I've been I've been looking to play it for a while. Um finally sort of got around to I think I played it in the um we did a was it a five hundred point league tournament earlier uh, on in the year? There yeah, was a five hundred yeah. point. Yeah. Was it five hundred was it four fifty? It was I think there's one, been both. There's definitely yeah. been both. So I ran it. I ran it earlier in the year with uh, Birder, and it, instead of the Witch King, and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, but I thought I'd be much better with a Wraith in the list. So um, I had it sort of penciled in for this uh, around this uh, points amount. So yeah, so um, low on might, but high on tricks and things. So yeah, was a was a lot of fun to play. Grim. Yep. One thing I'll say about your list before we hear CJ's was <laughs> yeah. you got a lot of stick for the shade, however, from myself included, which yeah. is probably unjust. It was a, it was a green alliance, and 
I well, think it's, it's just there are well, counts to shade now. One list. Exactly. It was one one list, yeah. One list, so exactly. And um, myself, it was all all in jest, but I think you got an unfair amount of stick <laughs> for your shade. I mean, it's <laughs> it's a very it's a very influential model now. It does cause a lot of. Uh, I, I get that it causes a lot of, um, I guess, frustration. But yeah, it's that's the, what I mean, it's designed to do, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, it's the sort of it's it's all from one faction, and yeah. it's the only time I would ever play it. I wouldn't ally it in. I don't think. Mm. Yeah. So, and there are ways with with the store of will. There are ways around it. Albeit, you we're talking about this at the event and after. You do need to spend a lot of resources to nullify it, but you can do it. Well, you, you say that I in well, as we'll find out in one of my games, it got blown away off the table in one of my games. Uh, I think I know the one you're talking about, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get on to that in a bit anyway. So um, we'll let CJ do the, the winning list. Yep. Normally I'm sort of a hoardy troop kind of guy, so I tend to do Moria or Lake Town if it's good or evil. Um, but I decided I'm going to try and broaden my skill set this year. So towards the tail end of the year, I started looking at... Um, small elite armies still foot because cavalry is a whole different skill to get hold of um and i like my mordor so i went with a front row of black numenorians who i've been trying throughout the year and they're pretty damn useful because they're for their points they're a steal to be honest the fight for defense six terror courage four which is a bit underrated um if you've got a pure mordor list that goes up to five when you outnumber um, and then to get a bit of killing power, put Moranans in the back line. Um, and uh, for heroes, um, I like having magic because at this kind of points level, you are going to run into some big choppy stuff. So you need things to be able to deal with that. So I went with the Shadow Lord because basically if um, if somebody's got a huge crossbow army, um, then my expensive troops are all going to die very quickly. Um, so I got him, and uh, for a partner, um, I wanted like a cheap orc hero, and the choice was either you go with Gurits for march and deployment rules, or you go for like a cheap striker um, to help beat bigger heroes. And I figured because of the pairing system that Jack... Um, settled upon for the scenarios it meant there was about a two-thirds chance of getting a maelstrom scenario but even in that circumstance all i needed to do was have the shadow lord come on and then have um the other warband come on next to it so i could afford to just spend might to do that anyway so strike is more useful in more of the other games so i went with uh it was either zagdush or gorbag Zagdush has had a lot of popularity since it came out, but the problem is, despite the three attacks and the ability to go strength five if you want, um, he's only fight four, and he's defense four or five, and he's a two-wound, one-fate hero. So basically, you wind up spending might on striking in order to beat troops. Um, so I went with Gorbag, who is le fewer attacks base, but when he's fighting two troops at once, he goes up to fight five, gets the three attacks, He's not strength five, but you can live with that. Um, and he then has I need, a shield. If you he want. has a shield, yeah, so defense six, which is more useful than you think. Um, and then I needed something just to kind of add a competitive edge to it. So I went and asked my um, friend who I go and meet up with in London. He does a lot of the GBHL tournaments. And they said, well, Spider Queen's in vogue now. 
because um, I said I was either going to go Moria or Mordor. And he said, well, what do you want from Moria? And I said, well, primarily bat swarms, because uh, they are very, very useful and very hard to deal with. Um, so he actually pointed out, well, you can get bat swarms um, from the denizens of Mirkwood list, and the Spider Queen is quite a useful little uh, glass cannon. So that was, yeah, how it went. So I had Spider Queen with one Bat Swarm going around, jumping on heroes together, because Bat Swarm reduces you to fight five or lower, Spider Queen's fight six, and then they take down things as a double team unit. And then I had a spare Bat Swarm, which was in case enemies had uh, terrifying heroes, because when you've got two Bats, even at Courage 2, you've only got about a 36% chance of both of them failing a terror test. Um and it also means that you can potentially pair the second one up with uh, Gorbag. So Gorbag can strike, Batswarm can halve, and the Shadow Lord can be transfixing things without ever um, getting himself in too much danger. Um, I went with the yellow. Um, uh, I wanted it to be green quite badly, but um, this is what people voted for, apparently. And um, basically, the least fun games in my experience, or when I've taken a thematic list and I've just been steamrolled by a yellow list horrible army. So I thought, well, at least I'll take something that lets me be um, able to compete. Uh, unfortunately, nobody passed the memo to me that despite the fact that the majority of people voted for yellow, uh, nobody else took yellow. So I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was the one it's competitive true. dickhead in the room. So... Yeah, boo you, boo hiss. Yeah, but yeah, that was it. Because there was um, it we went a bit backwards and forwards with that because we did a bit of a going back to the format. Effectively, it was just a vote on to see. I think I was a bit conscious of just making a decision because originally I was going to play in it, so I didn't want to just go. This is what it is, and if it benefited me or didn't benefit me or whatever. So mm. I thought I put it to a vote, and literally, it just it was. I think there was <laughs> in it in the end or something like that. And it was when people then dropped out, it was a case of um, not counting their vote and it was just getting a bit messy. So in the end, I went with what the latest vote was and get stuck at yellow. But like you say, hardly anyone took yellow. So next year, which we'll go on to later, it's I'm not going to play in the finale, so I can just say it outright what it is effectively. It's just going to be green alliances only. Yes. So next year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah no you're right bearing in mind even though it was a slight majority the majority voted for yellow it was basically all green which is like strange yeah so my win is all your fault listeners it's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not your fault for picking it it's their fault for voting for it right exactly <laughs> right um right dan do you want to talk about your games um yeah sure so um the first scenario was um, what? Sorry, what was the first scenario again? That was the uh, heirlooms. Was the first one heirlooms? Yes, that was it. Yep. So the first scenario was heirlooms, and I played Sam Huddy, and um, Sam's a really nice guy, and I felt a little bit sorry because I brought my horrible shade, which totally nullified his um, arable, fluffy arable reclaimed list. Um, as always with all hero lists, um, you need to make sort of the most of the might you're spending and, you know, the, the sort of synergy within the list. 
And I think my shade was very good at nullifying a lot of that for me. Um, as someone's having to spend quite a good deal of my just, um, yeah, just winning combats. Um, and in the end, uh, it, it came down to, I think Thorin went down early, which was helpful for me. Um, because that got rid of uh, the Sworn Protector um, rule. For the, so For the brothers. Well, for the so for the era, so it, oh, do they all have it? They all have it, yeah. Ah, so we had Biffa Buffer, um, Thorin, Dwalin, the one with the axe in his head, or is that <laughs> That's Biffa in it? Yeah, he, he ha- I think he had he had eight of them, um, and then there was one hu- humorous bit at the end where um, they managed to take my Witch King off his uh, wraith. Off his Felby, sorry, and um, he was fighting one on one against uh, Dwalin, and actually no, sorry, two on one. He had uh, Buffer with him, and the I managed to kill Dwalin with the Witch King on foot, on foot, which is ridiculous, <laughs> and um, then Buffer ran ran away. Uh, so um yeah so i felt a little bit sorry for sam in that one but um it was a fun game i just uh i just think he he, again that you there's a fair bit of shade frustration in the first couple of games um the so that was a six nil win if Mm -hmm. memory serves um because no one no one picked up the. We ran out of time again. Uh, no one picked up the um, heirloom. Having watched that game, you played all of it in one corner. Yeah, no. I, well, I was lucky because it's a um, Maelstrom deployment, and I have Angmar, so I've only got a finite amount of will, uh, sorry, of might to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, he turned up in one corner, and my Angmar turned up in the same corner. So I wasn't. Yeah, it was quite lucky for me. Managed to keep most of my um, stuff together. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, shall I just do my yeah on to the second game, um, which was was that ill? It's not ill met by moonlight, is it? Now? Clash by moonlight. Clash by yeah. Moonlight, yeah. I prefer the old title, the Shakespeare quote, but never mind. <laughs> Maybe this is a bit... Well, I can't imagine it being too highbrow for Lord of the Rings nerds, to be honest with you. Hmm. But, um, no, I completely agree. Um, and this one I was playing Tom Hawker and hmm. his camel... camel <laughs> his far, so that this was a Far Harad and Serpent... Horde. Horde Alliance, wasn't it? So that was... Yeah, it was just Yeah. yeah. So it was his nasty, nasty camels. Um, How many ruined, did you lose? He ruined people with those camels. Yeah. yeah. I well, I think I've not think... played. I've not played the camels since the rules have changed. So it was a bit of an eye opener for me. So his so the um, uh, what's the rule? The impale. The impale. Rule, yeah. Which is like a mini sort of um, trample. Was mm-hmm. uh, I think. In the main, that was the only way he killed my orcs, but um, <laughs> he, I think he killed about, he must have killed about eight or nine of my orcs. Um, 
through Impale, but I was able to stop his heroes getting into combat or charge, uh. which meant he couldn't pass or he couldn't auto pass courage tests. Mm-hmm. So I was quite lucky that way. So I was man- I managed to get a hurl off from the Witch King early doors through a load of camels, um, which helped. And then it was a case of um, a lot of them failing courage tests to get in or me winning priority. And I was able to bog them down and eventually, um, yeah, eventually break and then kill them. Because it's killing heroes, that scenario, um, I managed to kill his king after his king managed to charge the witch king and then i managed to paralyze the king in combat with my barrow white um so killed the far uh, the, the far harad king i can't even remember the name of the profile mahud king. mahud king and i managed to kill the mahud chieftain but failed to kill the he had the betrayer on foot as an uh, as the leader of the haradrim mm. Um, and I managed to fluff killing that with the Witch King on Felbeast, which was incredible. Um, so that was, I think, an 8-1 win, if memory serves. I can't remember off the top of my head. Jack will probably know. Um, I can check for you now. It was around It was around that. I think yeah, 8-1. 8-1, yeah. Do you want to do CJ's first two games before? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, shall I do my two, then we can do the third together. Um <laughs> yep, yeah. Sure. yeah, I bet Tom when he saw your defense for orcs, he was licking his lips. He was just like, Yes. Just to, go back to, just to go back to Tom's impales, I think in his first game against Jason, he killed like fourteen models from impaling. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was saying on the in the old rules that Seven Stones not la- not the year just gone the year before. Um, I think we I I took a Erebor uh, sorry Army of Thor and Dale list, mm. and we had their um, they do a custom scenario where you have half your army on, and what and against both your opponents two armies, and then you have another army come on and try and save them. I can't remember what it's called, but it's sort of like divided deployment, and um, they wiped out every all of the Army of Thor through impales bath. Oh. Bar, Thorin, and Thrall. Then, then the Dale came on and they wiped the Dale out. Wow. That's grim. So I, I camels scare the life out of me. <laughs> and mm. I was very happy that this one went reasonably well early doors. Yes. My first opponent was Will, Will Pointer who is a lovely, lovely man, and he actually got best army for his... Um, he had a very nicely painted white council. He had Glorfindel on Asphaloth with armour, Lady of Light, uh, Gandalf on horse, and Celeborn. Um, so, obviously, you get that, and you see its heirlooms, and you think, well, this is going to be a bit lopsided because I've got flying infantry, so I'm just going to sort of hop around the board, hoovering up... Um, relics. Although if he does manage to pick it up with one of his, I, you know, it could be a tough fight to get it off him. Uh, I didn't have a banner, so basically it was who's, whoever gets the relic wins. Um, and to, to, to credit Will, he played incredibly intelligently. He used combinations of Gandalf 
commanding things forward and Glorfindor running them over and all that kind of stuff. Um, basically, we both dug up everything we could reach, and um, it didn't. It, it wasn't there. Um, so it was the last one, which I kept at the back of the board with one black Numenorian um, in the way. Uh, so we had a bit where he pulled my bat swarm forward and then ran into it with like Celeborn and um, uh, Glorfindor. And so I thought, right, this is my chance. Um, so I sort of run in and I've got a bat swarm and the Shadow Lord on Celeborn. I've got a Bat Swarm and the Spider Queen on Glorfindel. I've got the charges off. So if I win these fights, these heroes are in big trouble. Um, first combat, Spider Queen, uh, three highest on the five dice. Um, and the three was on the bats, not the Spider Queen. So I couldn't mite it to a six. So um, back we go. And uh, Glorfindel um, doesn't quite manage to kill the bats in one go. Then with Caliborn, again, I've got five dice, and again, it's another three high. And the Shadow Lord has only got two might, so couldn't get, to, couldn't get to the magic six. So there you go. I had that sort of one moment where if the dice went more or less the way they should have there, I probably would have broken him in one go. But as it was, I've now got my sort of heavy hitting stuff in a really vulnerable position, and he's mm. taken no damage. Um, ten dice, three highest. Indeed, that's grim. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, never mind. That will become a recurring theme. But um, yeah, Gandalf was the really annoying guy because he charged into the Spider Queen. Yeah. Um, so he's got two attacks versus my two attacks with a lower fight value. He wins the fight, does two wounds, and then the next turn he wins the heroic move off. Sorceress blasts the Spider Queen and kills it with the blast. Just Gandalf on his own, just hello, Spider Queen, dead. That's um, mm, um, because Maybe of not the fact, for you, but... <laughs> yeah, well, because of the fact he had four models, basically quartering him and breaking him happened at the same point. So it was kind of like, don't kill him too quickly. But he was running Gandalf away and just sort of shooting annoying spells while Celeborn sort of stood there and either shielded or. Um, or, I don't know, it depends what managed to get involved because Gandalf was able to sort of immobilise the bat swarms and things, so Celeborn and I'd run out of might because obviously he's got like 12 might, so I had to keep contesting heroic move-offs and he won all of them. <laughs> There's like oh, uh, Galadriel with Banish or Instill Fear's horrible because uh, bat swarms go down to Courage 1 within 6 of Galadriel, then she does Instill Fear and they both go noom. 12 inches off backwards. Uh, yeah, he played great, to be honest. It was just sort of unlucky, the matchup and the scenario. I said to him at the start, look, I'm really sorry. This is going to be horrendously lopsided, but, you know, I'm not going to sort of play nastily as far as possible. Um, so, One of those things that equally yeah. it could have been a scenario that would massively benefit his army. It's always the luck of the draw with tournaments, isn't it? Oh, can you imagine if we'd have got contest or Lords of Battle in the first round? I'd have been, yeah. oh no. You had to send everything to his heroes altogether. This is true, but with five flying models and a Spider Queen, I probably could catch, unless maybe it's Glorfindel. 
in which case you want to be careful when you catch him because uh, anyway so we get to game number two and it's johnny and his urukai now he's very good at urukai because that's all i've ever seen him play um so he knows how they work very well he had lurts and he had Vrazku. um he had an orc captain um on wag which I thought was an odd choice because I said, why not Sharku? And he said it's to do with the fact that Sharku has the Isengard keyword and therefore when you're below 50%, um, basically he can't do anything to help the Orcs in the list. I believe that's been FAQ'd now so that um, if you're below 50%, you are allowed to use Isengard heroes to take a stand fast to try and keep Orcs in line. But if they fail, they're gone. Um, so he had an orc on a wag with a shield and he had four wags as well um, but the important point was this was clashed by moonlight and he had uh, 11 crossbows plus Vrazku um, but then on top of that a ballista um, which you just never see so uh, to be honest a lot of the game was me going so it scatters three and then it hits on a this and if it hits me then it knocks me backwards what if I do that it's just you know you get models like that like the iron hills chariot or something where it's just like ah oh, i have never played this how does it work or um cut you off, sure. it's just quite interesting that there was a blister in both um mm, the both competitions list. so the isengard player i think it was alex um he had a blister in his isengard list and mm. and as you say we've not seen blisters all year um apart from maybe an iron hills one and even then, I don't think we've seen one of them. And no. then uh, Johnny also had a ballista. So it's quite interesting that that points level, because I think it's one of the highest points levels we've had, mm-hmm. uh, threw up some interesting things like ballistas mm-hmm. and felt. So I think it's at those points levels, it just it gives you the chance of having a target that is worth targeting with the ballista. Mm-hmm. Are we, I think, anyway, because otherwise, if it's lower, generally, it's well, saying that some people just bring their big heroes anyway. You're looking at a lot of smaller targets whereas if you get lucky and get one the payoff isn't as good as getting lucky and killing a fell beast or, or killing a big hero kind of thing yeah, is yeah the hold on to that thought um <laughs> is the arsengard blister still is, is that an auto kill it's um, yes uh, yeah it is yeah okay. and also if the fell beast they, it just gets knocked over and goes flying anyway so yeah, as long as it hits yeah. doesn't even have to wound the fell beast mm just knock it over mm-hmm. so i had obviously it was clashed by moonlight so he got a 12 inch visibility on top of which i have the shadow lord so basically his huge investment in artillery was um uh theoretically quite stunted um although once you get to within 12 you get 13 crossbows with plus one to wound that can be pretty gnarly um so he had two turns of shooting because 12 inch gap so i've got six inch movement so obviously I've moved to within 13 and then spend two turns running at him. And I put the Paul of Darkness up. He got like two hits with his crossbows um, in in total. Um, he did manage one kill because four plus. Um, but the important bit was I had the Felby sort of flapping merrily along in the middle of the uh, army going Paul of Darkness. Na, 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 na. Um, and then the Ballista said, have some of this, rolled a six to hit, and then a five to scatter. So obviously use the might from the veteran. Um, direct hit. I'd placed it so that if it did hit, there wasn't anything behind it. 
But even so, I go back five, six inches and get dismounted. Um, so bye-bye, fell beast. And um, the stroke of luck I had was he rolled a one or a two to wound um, when he needed a four on the Shadow Lord. So, I mean, at least um, I wasn't looking at leader having to pass fate rolls or anything, but it was still just sort of like, oh, for God's sake, here we go. Um, Lurtz was creeping up doing sniping shots as well because you forget he's got a strength three bow that hits on threes. Um, basically, that really evened it up because um, if I'd still had the fell beast, he's got a lot of defense five in that army. So he had lots of berserkers, he had lots of wargs, he had lots of pikes, he had lots of crossbows. In fact, as far as I recall, there was nothing to fence six in the whole army apart from Lurtz. So if I'd been able to run around <clears throat> hurling things, I probably would have done a lot of damage. Um, but as it was, basically, I could uh, immobilize one of his heroes per turn um, and rely on the Spider Queen to do the heavy lifting. But uh, she is not very reliable, as it turns out, um, which became a recurring theme. She died in every game except the last one. And because uh, um, you got three dice on the charge, it's not an excessive amount. Mm. And for about the, I don't know, don't want to exaggerate, third or fourth time uh, th to that point, she ran into combat and rolled like a two or a three highest. And then you're like, well, I've got to spend all of the might because if you lose a fight to Urukai, their strength four, she's defense four, no fate, three wounds. So if mm. he gets lucky, gone. The one thing that was really useful there that he wasn't aware of as a trick was moving the Spider Queen up to the line, spawning um, a brood behind his line, and they then went and tagged all of the um, Ballista crew. I oh, mean, nice. they, they didn't last. I didn't have a broodling winner fight the entire day. And, <laughs> and apart from about once or twice, they died immediately. But the point was that they tagged these people off and um, it wasn't able to shoot me, so I didn't have to waste will on... What's the dogs. range of the broodlings? Um... So you can put them up to three inches away. Um, three inches. Yeah, which given the fact that they've got like a 40 mil base effectively means that you can plonk it about four and a half inches away. Yeah. And when, then, when does it have to be done? Is it during the move or end of the move? Any point during the move. And you just spend a will point and off they go. Um, he had nothing terrifying in his army. He had no spellcasters. I had no need of will points, so off you go, broodlings, and do shenanigans. Nice. Uh, so the Shadow Lord was reduced to basically just immobilizing his heroes as far as possible because he was on foot, um, and it was a it was a very grind affair. Um, the thing that kept me in it was the fight for the Black Numenorians and winning the occasional roll off. But when I did lose roll offs to Berserkers backed by two pikes, stuff died. Um, I was just lucky that I managed to break him. Um, because a lot of his stuff was defense five crossbows. Um, I had plenty of chances to win it. I had Vrasgu pinned against the damn ballista. Uh, took about across two turns. I had 20 strength three rolls to wound against him and did not get one. Um, it took me four turns to kill his siege veteran with a bat swarm and some help. Um, and it's just because it's you got to kill heroes to win that to win that game and i had one bit where he didn't notice i had a bat swarm free so i just he charged the spider queen with lurts thinking oh, i'm gonna finish her off because she's not got any might left and then i'm like well here's a bat and he went ah oh, crap 
Um, I had him completely surrounded and once again just fluffed all the dice. So in the end, to wrap it up, um, I had killed slightly more heroes than him. Um, so I got five points for that or so. And he got uh, like one point for killing one of my heroes. Um, and I, now I got the points for breaking him. That was it. But if I'd have lost just one more model, we'd have both been broken and uh, he'd have won. So oh, wow. I was nice. I was I was keeping an eye on my death on my model count and then at a certain point I was just like right whatever's left is gonna shield because um, that's all that matters now apart from stuff that's trying to kill his heroes. Yeah. That was very very close. Um, basically, if either of us had had a tiny bit more luck in the final round with dice rolling, it could have swung heavily one way or the other. And then we got Dan in round three. And uh, <laughs> we had that interesting game. So we, what was it? Contest of Champions. Mm-hmm. And you have uh, Big Nasty yep. Witch King on your Fell Beast. And I've got Shadow Lord. So yep. in theory, I'm thinking, this is not a good matchup for me. Um, but um, Dan decided the first thing he was going to do was run his fell but his witch king directly into my shadow lord and have a direct confrontation and he cleverly nudged the shade forward to make sure i was getting the minus one to win the fight and then uh witch <laughs> yeah. king can strike up um so what i decided right i got two bat swarms they're both at minus one so they're at courage one so this is not looking likely both fail then at the spider queen um I transfixed the Spider Queen. Trans- and I had to spend two will to resist that. And then I had to spend might on that resist roll to get through it. Um, yes. Yeah, through all three because you got a six. Um, so I rolled a four high on three dice, used two might to get there. And then I got like a five or so on the courage test. I like one too low to be able to charge the Witch King. Because obviously if she'd have got in, then... Um, I'd have been able to strike, and it might have been a different story. But, um, yeah, so he wins the fight with the Witch King, and then um, he, we both, we sa- I said to him, so you're going to use the Morgul Blade? And then we both said, no, there's no point, because obviously Shadow Lord's got one wound. And I say, well, if you kill the Fell Beast, then basically my Shadow Lord has no killing potential left, and you can go off and do nasty things. Um, so potentially you could use... He'd only use the one might to strike, yeah. and then on the uh, Morgul blade roll, he got a three high. So he had to use two the remaining the remainder of all of his might on the table to oh. take out my fell beast. Yeah, um, but Which... uh, you you figured out at a later point what we'd both missed, didn't you? Yeah. So following that, I can only put it down to what must have been a brain fart. Um, but also, I think you know we're into stay, you know, game three on the day. I guess brain's not probably firing on all cylinders, but yeah. uh, I should have rendered. Yeah, um, I missed that as well. Yeah, rendered the shadow lord and uh, on three Ooh, dice, and then even my because I think I, I think I rolled a three, two, and a one. Um, yeah, so you could have still mighted that and got two wounds, and that's probably game over. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it was it went the way it went, um, and you know, I managed to got take the Shadow Lord off of the Fell Beast, but then I was stuck in the middle for the rest of the game. Yes, 
Um, I, I had all my might, so basically whoever yeah. won priority didn't matter. Heroic move. Yeah. So I was stuck. I mean, I think you managed to get the you managed to get a bat swarm in, even with the um, uh, harbinger. So yeah, right near the end. That yeah. was what that was what turned it. I had a lovely moment where the spider queen won a combat through the damn shade. Had to use Mike to do it, and then it was like I'm going to barge, and I need like oh like a two or a three or something, and I can go into either the shades, knock that down, get that thing out of the out of the game, or I can run you sideways into the Witch King and try and kill your fell beast, which to be honest was the preferred option. A bloody one. Then I'm like, okay, what's the queen doing now? She just stands there looking awkward. Um but yeah, um so I used the Shadow Lord to do the final wound on the fell beast. So yeah. we drew level on the kill tally. And then the Moranans rolled stupidly well to wound the Witch King. Um, so he was gone. Three yeah. wounds. Um, and then the Shadow Lord got quite lucky and managed to trap one of Dan's troops. This was like the penultimate turn. And yeah. so even on two dice rolling, needing a five, you've only got a 55% chance of getting that kill. And if I hadn't, then uh, we'd have probably been talking either a draw or he might have won because I was very, very close to breaking. <coughs> I mean, there wasn't a lot of... Because of your Black Numenorians, uh, you had Terra and Harbinger up, so mm. my Orcs were not charging a single thing. Uh, no, do you remember the first turn? You did like your whole front line from one I, end to the other, and yeah. nothing moved. Wow. Nothing Courage won. Yeah, so it was a very... Yeah, it was a very it was a very strange game in that I think there, there was killing, but I I had I had no might on the board and I couldn't pass courage tests, so I was very reactive the entire game. But you know, I mean, it was it was close. I there was there was killing, but again, I don't think it made much of a difference once the once the Witch King went, mm-hmm. um, and then I think yeah, it must have been the penultimate turn. There was. Uh, and all was killed by the Shadow Lord, and I think that was it, wasn't it? So that was five, that was five it, yeah. nil. I think, yeah, another just... very, very lucky win for me, to be honest. Um, because Dan actually played very intelligently in the last two turns to try and prevent me from getting any further kills with the Shadow Lord, and damn near managed it. And then we played the last turn because there was just enough time, and I said, Well, you could yeah. break me, that could make a difference to the VPs. Um, and then I had an opportunity to gang up on something and try and get the triple kill. And he was like, ha-ha, well, I'm going to do this in this order and pass this test. And yeah. suddenly Shadow, poor old Shadow Lord got completely um, mugged. Uh, <laughs> and then you, you did roll to wound him, and I passed my fate, because that's the kind of arsehole yes. I am. Yeah, no, I, for, I completely forgot <laughs> about that, actually, yeah. So would you say that's one of the games in particular that having the extra time to run through did make a difference? Well, we didn't f- get to a conclusion. So as close as to conclusion as. Yeah. I mean, if the game had continued, then really Dan could have got some points for breaking, but at the same time, I could have potentially engineered a position to get triple killed. So mm. maybe tough I to think, say. I think mm. I think even if you, it was likely you would have got a triple kill, mm-hmm. and I think I perhaps would have broken you before you would have broken me. Mm-hmm. So that would be like seven three. Yeah, so I think it would 
again roughly the same VP difference. So <laughs> it would have been it would have been roughly the same, but cool. um, it was good to have the extra time to see how it unfolded though in that one. Just give it the chance to unfold. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Cool. Uh, do you want to do your fourth one first, then, Dan? Yeah, sure. So um, I think this is the point where I think Jason left. Um, so yeah, there was a point where me and you, CJ, could have played again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was um, Capture and Control, mm-hmm. which I, funnily enough, didn't really fancy playing against your army with your flying infantry and terror-causing infantry. Um, yeah, I don't so, think the matchup was particularly fun for you, to be honest, because no, I, you're just failing courage tests everywhere. <laughs> um, it would have been a the, very similar game, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah, and the alternative was playing Kieran, who I got a, a very good sort of friendship rivalry going with. So I was like, yeah, that's a, that's good. I'll take that. Yeah, and so, so fair, fair play to, to Kieran. He was happy to to accommodate that for us as well. Yeah, as was Will in my game. So I played yes. Will Pointer um, with his All Hero, White Council. White Council, yeah. Um, and for those shade haters out there, this is the moment of <laughs> catharsis you are all waiting for um, because Galadriel banished the shade off the <laughs> face of the board very quickly. Um, to be honest, it was a very cat and mouse game because obviously he's got he's only got four models. Um, it was very much we we spent the majority of the two hours I was chasing him around the board without really catching him and he was just trying to split my army up it was very well done, very intelligently done but I think it was just a little bit so he had so Gandalf the Grey was on horse and um, so he had Galadriel and Celeborn on foot, and then he had. Um, sorry, you went through the list earlier, didn't you? He was the Glorfindel and Glorfindel mm-hmm. on horse. Um, and it got to the stage where I was trying to break Gandalf's staff with the Witch King because he was the only one who was anywhere near vulnerable to my spell casting, mm-hmm. which is a tough state of affairs to get to considering um you know the the heroes but i think gladrow has cast 45 45 spirit on everyone mm-hmm. um they managed to keep everyone within six inches of each other so they got the plus one to resist army bonus so i really i was it was a it was a spell off that i was losing to gandalf um so i ended up trying to run my witch king away um, but he was still caught and killed by Glorfindel. Um, so I lost Glorfindel and the Witch King around with well, about half an hour to go. Um, and then it was mainly me just trying to keep hold of objectives and bog down enough of his hero. So I think I caused two wounds the entire game. Um, and I think Will... This is where I think two hours was a it was a long time for this game because he he came he broke me I would have been broken if we had one more turn. Um, so as is FAQ'd, we have still got the VPs for that, but I had four of the objectives against his two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, instill fear from Gladriel. Very <laughs> good, really good against. 
uh, Courage One orcs, mm. um, and it stopped me charging. Well, terrifying uh, elves across the board, um, and then with Gladiol nearby, it stopped me charging them all. Um, I managed to paralyze Glorfindor on the floor. Um, didn't <laughs> do a single wound, and Celeborn got him up the next turn. Uh, oh, so, man, that's rough. So that was the. Uh, I think that pretty much summed up. It was. It ended up being an eight-four win to me. But um, it was really well played by Will, and he was unlucky because I think, as I say, I would have been broken next turn, and with Gladiel there, um, with her six-inch mini harbinger, uh, a lot of that army would have been running away. So it was a, it was, it was a very nip and tuck game, and I think I was very lucky in the end to come away with the the eight-four win. So, so Will, so Will with like one of the fluffiest armies there on the day. Nearly, yep. nearly podiumed with uh, with the White Council at the league finale. Just so, yeah, and he played them really well. Played yeah, well. Mm. no, he did. It was really, he, he was very skillful in breaking up my army. Um, I think if the time had been shorter, it would have been better for me. But the longer that went on, the more it was, it was in his favour. I think that happens perhaps a lot with. Well, it can happen with all hero armies. Mm. I guess so with the high might and things. So, no, it was a good game, but yeah, so that left me with three wins and the loss to you, CJ. Sorry. So, right. So then it was (laughs) me and Kieran on the final table for a winner takes all, duke it out. Um, In I think in the league standings, it's me and him in the top two anyway. So we sort of looked at each other and said, "This is like the the fairy tale." ending um and uh so yeah he had a very nice uh concoction green uh, green all the way but it had glorfindel with all the trimmings as the leader very hard to deal with had curdan everything's terrifying got the blinding light not that that mattered against me um and got the aura of command so all of my terrors useless and he can enchant blades for giggles when he wants glorfindel to have just that bit more killing power but the real puncher was um isildur with the ring so you don't really know where to look and even with all that he still managed to have 25 models which included two two knights and a banner so um for that is a very compact hard-hitting army um and I was genuine. I knew that what that was going to be before the tournament because he and I had been chatting about what potentially to bring for a while. And um, he put his up on the group. And that was the one list I looked at. And I thought, oh, God, I'd really struggle there. Um, but as it turns out, so we got capture and control. The table did not have that much terrain. Um, there was about six bits of ruins and one tiny cluster of rock. So he didn't really have anywhere to sort of wedge his shield wall in. And he wanted to deploy up front, basically not concede board control, um, because obviously we want to tag all the objectives. Um, But what that allowed me to do was basically deploy like a thin line in front of him and then have two blocks on the side whose sole purpose was to just wrap around the back and then I could put the Spider Queen and the Fell Beast at the end of the lines and just sort of go, wee, everybody on the floor. Um, 
and that was mm, I would say that was more or less how it transpired. But we actually looked up the hurling rules, which have changed from the previous edition. So it used to be you can just throw something, and anything it passes through gets knocked down. Now it's the case that if it goes through a combat, everything falls down in that. So there's almost yeah. no there's no point doing that with a shield wall anymore unless you've got priority and you do all the fights first and then for the last thing you do you throw down down the line but the queen was able to go right here's a brood go and tag the knights here's a brood go and tag that objective here's a brood go and tag um that guy over there and it just blocked off his ability to sort of counter charge which was um very useful. I also got off a first turn compel on Isildur and just had him march backwards through the will, through the resistance to magic that Numenor annoyingly has. Um, I put up some blockades to stop Glorfindor running through. And then uh, Kieran got quite unlucky in that he had he quite intelligently peeled off the control zones such that Glorfindor, if he killed both the things in front of him, he could go through and hit the Shadow Lord in the back. One of them was cavalry, so Curdan does a two dice enchanted blades on Glorfindor, and suddenly, ooh, I've I've misplayed this horrendously. So then we both do a heroic move, and I got lucky enough to win that, and I just thought, right, I've killed the thing in front of me, and now I'm flapping off into the corner, come chase me. Um, it wasn't too long before I managed to get bat swarms onto Glorfindor, and Glorfindel had horrendous rolling that game, which was highlighted at one stage by getting triple one, and then with the Lord of the West re-roll, another one. Uh, oh. So, for the stats nerds, it's about a 1 in 1,296 chance. So then, yeah, it was just... Um, Jesus. Even when Isildur got the ring on, he only managed to get one point where he usefully got him to charge the Shadow Lord or whoever. And he had to use all of his might to either win fights or attempt heroic combats, which didn't always come off. Isildur botched one, especially. Um, so by the end of the game, I had sort of board control just through might again, like I had with Dan. So I managed to engineer a situation where I just ran... Um, uh, Glorfindel had no might left so I put the Spider Queen and the Shadow Lord together on him, struck up with the Spider Queen, bowled him over dead and the game just kind of ended very very quickly because as soon as I'd managed to pull his army out of formation I was just sort of surrounding and trapping and picking them off one by one uh, so in the end it was a 12-0 but to be fair Kieran's been like one of the strongest rivals throughout the league this year and I said to Trained him afterwards well. yes you have I said to him afterwards that really did not reflect the the, the the sort of quality of player that he is I said what we should have had is like fog of war and it was 10-9 to somebody because um, I think he's genuinely been if there'd have been like a best newcomer for the East Anglia League mm. that that would have been him because yeah. he, he's just appeared and won everything very good very good. It's a great doubles partner. Mm. <laughs> he is. What don't, can I say? He, he does all the hard work for you, Josh. That's why. No, mate. The uh, the twelve crossbows and twenty one throwing weapons did all the hard work. But anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, okay, so that's the uh, the roundup of your games and our lists. Um, 
a lot of love for Jack has we we put a post I put a post up yesterday yeah. just asking for a little bit of feedback and uh, some of the things people liked and not many negatives so there wasn't really any dislikes but obviously everyone um I'll, I'll kind of sum up everyone's thanks and Jack can read them through himself but um big thank you to Jack for taking over something that had been uh done well the first year and then the second year um Sean moved away and I wasn't as round as much for various mm. reasons and Jack kind of took up the mantle and and kept it a thing and then this year obviously has been the league's been a um a really good success I think Jack mm. said we've had 48 unique players something like mm. that yeah um which considering wow yeah you know where we are and uh how many people we were getting attending events prior we used to get a decent mm. amount but it was a lot of the same faces and it was kind of like a very small yeah. uh, little community of people maybe you know 20 to 30 and you'd always see the same 15 to 20 people so that's a big credit to uh, a the middle earth team for rejuvenating the game itself and then and then b to jack for really making the league events well uh, one thing fun. i will say is that everyone has, has made it relatively easy to do so big thanks to everyone for, for helping me and it's like you guys as well you've all helped me out and in various facebook groups and whatsapp group running rules packs and queries by it's, it's not it's definitely not been um sometimes it seems like it's a one-man thing but it's not literally every day i'll be checking something with with you guys or, or people like james and clayton and um yeah, no, so a big thanks to everyone else and you guys for helping out. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened. Mm. Well, to, give it some, to give it some context, last year there were, I forget, it was between eight and ten people on the league leaderboard by the end of the year. And the only people that turned up to the league finale were me and Sam Huddy. Um, mm. So you contrast that with what we've had this year. It's been, uh, we've got a oh, lot geez. to be thankful to you for. Yeah, and I appreciate that. But also, like I say, big thanks to everyone for for helping me out, and also people who attend the events make it very easy as well. And then that's probably a good segue to quickly note on next year with the because I think it's probably fair to say for all of us we're not too bothered about becoming this massive, expansive league. We just want to keep it good. Obviously, expand a little bit, get a few more players as and where we can. But well, just to keep I mean, if you look well. at the, the averages for the league events, we hit regularly 20 plus players. Yeah, 20 to 20 is probably the average. 24 at the moment is probably uh, the most we can manage because one of the reasons behind behind the league was it's, it's roughly £10 for an event. 25% is what we pay for the venue, 50% prizes, and roughly 25% we're putting back into the club to get scenery and things. Yeah. So the more people we get to the events, no, no one is taking any money out of it, myself or anyone who helps out or runs any of the events next year. It's the money we make, in inverted commas, is to buy new scenery for the club. And we do need a little bit more. We're quite lucky where people will come down and, and help us out. But it would be nice not to, to have to rely on people as much as I everyone after, always After next here. year, we'll probably get to a point where um, you know, we can probably nearly do an event with just the stuff that we have yeah and i think that that was that's the kind of the goal we on that respect and then by the time we've got everything and to run an event it will probably be about time to start 
replacing some bits that are just wear and tear and, and things like that. So it hopefully yeah. it'll just be an ongoing cycle. But um, yeah, but we've got different people running the events next year. Um, we've got mm-hmm. five league events penciled in, same as this year, although one kind of fell apart a little bit. So we'll say four and a half we had. Um, and we've got different people running them. So hopefully it'll be a bit more of a variety because like I, I've said, some people naturally where I kind of made the events and made the rules packs and run them, they probably did end up being fairly similar. I tried to mix it up as much as possible, but different people will run their events in different ways. Well, so I think big... also where you've played in those events, you can't make them too... Exactly, yeah. Because you're like, going to yeah. play in them. You don't want to make them too weird because mm. people are like, oh, he's made it weird and it favours him, blah, 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 mm. blah. Yeah, Not that anyone quite... would say no, that. No, no, but... no. I know what you mean. I was quite conscious of trying even whether it was subconsciously or consciously, not to make an event that would suit an army that I would like to bring, even down to something as silly as points values. It'd be like, oh, I don't want to make it this points because that suits me perfectly. And then you, you're kind of detriment to the event for the sake of not giving yourself an advantage, if that kind of makes sense. You're just spreadsheet man next year, aren't you? Yes, and I'll run the finale with no intentions of playing in it, which is fine with me. Because um, originally, like I say, I kept, it was to keep the league going. It would have been a shame for it for it to just completely disappear because we've all become quite good friends and we've got quite a good community and a big community now. Yeah, and uh, it would have been a shame for it to just kind of disappear. So that was a reason to pick it up. And also, and I said this originally from a completely selfish point of view, by running all the events, I could put them on dates that I could make. So, like, like I said before, like in that flip side of it, it was it was perfect because I like most people, I can't do every weekend and things come up and everything else so but then we have other people running them it's great when they run them i'll I'll do my best to attend i'm sure everyone else will and we're going to keep roughly the same format as in i've spoke to people about roughly keep we're going to try and keep it a 10 pound event because that seems to be going down well and having 50 percent towards prizes which whoever runs the event can have complete control over i won't dictate like you must put 25 percent back in but it would be nice to keep it as close to that as as possible Mm. And then I will keep a more up-to-date spreadsheet because I kept started keeping quite a detailed finance spreadsheet at the beginning of the year. And then by tr- doing that and then the results, and they don't take long on their own, but when you're trying to do all of them, you just uh, you end up, in all honesty, just putting them aside, putting them off, and then the next events come, and then you've got two or three events to put on the spreadsheet, and it just doesn't happen. If anyone wants to do the league results spreadsheet next season, let Jack know. He can just look after the finances. I don't mind. I don't mind doing the results sheet. I can do the sheet. All the finances, just help them out. But um, if anyone's interested, by all means, this is no elite club. I've said this that if anyone wants to run any events, just get in touch with one of us. Probably best to just go through one of the admins on the group, and we're more than happy to help people out and set events up. And um, four years now, yeah, uh, (laughs) it's still the same. So. um, while we're talking of the events, I'll quickly run through the list of um, who is running. And when we don't have exact dates yet, this is all on the on the group on one of the announcements somewhere. But while we've got it, I might as well go through it here. The first event is going to be run by Jason Mountain, and that's going to be a team event. I believe it's eight teams of three. So taking this up to the max 24 players that we've kind of got at that we can handle at the moment. Yeah. Um, that we did put a poll up for the date on that. Let's did do we? a live reveal of when that was. 
So I threw that up. And... Oh, yeah. It's uh, currently winning is I Can Make Either. And then second place is the 25th of January. Okay. Well, it will be the 25th of January then. Um, if people haven't voted, then tough. It's too late. We're now... it's, currently, it's currently technically 13-2. Or arguably you could say it's 13-9. Yeah. Either way, the majority after I Can Make Either Day is the, so we'll do the 25th of January. And then I'll talk to Jason about that and we'll get an event up. So if anyone's interested, check out the group the next couple of days. The format's 500 points, no duplicate heroes. And you put a player on a table, they put a player on the table and vice versa. Vice versa. You go down the line and then you play the scenario. That's it, you yeah, all play yeah. the same scenario. Um, it's quite a fun one. I think it's been used. I think it's the same as the ETC. I could be wrong. Um, I think J- um, Jason said he took it from Guild Ball. They do something like that in Guildball. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So then so this is one of the formats of the league. And... Yeah. Different people running events. We're going to get different formats and ideas, which will bring a, a nice bit of variety to the league as we go through. So the second event is going to be in March, and that's going to be run by Sam Huddy. Um, he's, he's got here day. potentially the twenty-first. Potentially the twenty-first of March. So some exclusives on the podcast today of dates. It's just in the comments <laughs> from from my Fred. Yeah. Next one will be in May, and that's be run by Tom Hawker and Jake Tyso. I think that one may be run in Kettering. So that's another thing we've spoke about this year is because we do have people come down. All the events have been at Epping this year because it's it's nice and easy for us to get availability for it and confirm. And also where I've been running them, it's quite close to me. So, of course, I'm going to choose that place. So um, I know that some other people who live further away have, have mentioned about doing events in different places and we're completely open to that. So if anyone wants to do it, get in touch with us and we'll all support it where we can. Obviously not everyone can make everywhere in every event, but I'm sure people will if they can. And then event four. So this is something we have to sort out as well. Last year I did like a scenario reset, tried to play all the scenarios once and then when you get to maybe one left or you've played all 12, then we'll reset them again. I still don't think we played whole ground. No, did we not? All year. Oh, wow. No, because we got, <laughs> we got to one event where there were four left and then we had three 700-point games. So we only did, yeah, so no whole yeah. ground. So, yeah. So, uh, so maybe do something there. similar this year yeah. where we try not to duplicate the same ones all the time. But I'll chat with the people who are going to do the events from there. So if we have the scenario reset, the first one after that will be CJ's event in July. Have you got any exclusive announcements roughly for your one yet? Um, it will be de-escalation. It will be a narrative theme of um, you're going to try and invade a city and um, sack, ransack the, the leader. And so obviously as you get through the first wall of defence, you've lost troops, you get through the courtyard, you lose more troops. Um, so it does have some predetermined scenarios in mind. Off the top of my head, those involve Reconnoiter, Storm the Camp, and the last one potentially being to the death. There's one other that I can't quite remember at this point, but hopefully it should be a good laugh. Yeah, and then with that preset scenarios, could work quite well with the scenario reset because you'll have the, the pick of the bunch if you like. Mm-hmm. And then the fifth event in September, uh, Sean has gone forward to say he'll do that. And he's looking at running that in a Phoenix Games in Norwich. Again, Sean Cup travels down from further away. So he would like to do his there. So, yeah, we may have two events outside of Epping. And 
however many more people want to do. Uh, and then the finale this year, I'm going to run that again. Uh, and as I said, I'm not even going to attempt to play in it because I'm quite happy just, just to run it. It'll be 600 points, uh, one army, four games, and it's going to be green alliances. One army, one <laughs> army or green alliance only. Because like you say, um, everyone, people voted for convenient, but most people took green. I have so, a lot of new releases by then, though. Exactly. Well, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll go with it. And also, if I'm not playing, it's not to benefit me or disadvantage me or whatever. It's just I've decided we'll go green. And that's it. That's fair. And yeah, so that's the rough what we're going to do for this year. I'm going to try and put out a survey, but it might not be till the weekend or after the weekend. So depending on when this podcast sums out, it may already be out. Oh, and it's January. just it's maybe January. January, yeah. No, <laughs> I will get it done. And just to get people's views on the league this year, and I think the main thing people have asked me about is changing the number of games for qualification, maybe increasing it to give people uh, a better chance of moving up the leaderboard after they've hit their five games. So maybe keep it five to qualify, but increase it as best seven, best ten, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'm going to pop that in a survey and um, put a few options in there just to gauge people's reaction and then try and get that all sorted before what well, it will be sorted before Jason's event in January. I think to summarise it's just been a good year, right? It has. It definitely has. We've, everyone seems to have enjoyed it. No real real problems. Um, it's gone quite well. Next year, it's going to be much of the good stuff again with a few improvements, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And different ideas and people on board, so a bit more variety. And we've still got around about after i have to find out how much the engraving is for the two trophies but we still have about a hundred pound to play with to get some more scenery and that is just purely from money for raised from events and the small raffle we did at the uh, end of the last event yeah, me, me james and um jack have already got some plans so yes next we can exclusively reveal we're hopefully working to make use of our desert map with a, a harad style board Mm-hmm. but that's lots to be determined with things like that but we're going to get that sorted so before we get onto the comments and then wrap up uh, I'm going to do the YouTube bit now because I always forget to do it and then I don't think anyone listens to it right at the end <laughs> so um, comment, like, share and subscribe leave comments on Facebook when we put the posts out but if you don't if you're not on our Facebook page first of all our, it is linked on the channel you can find it um, but also just leave a comment on the video it helps the algorithm and it gets us more interactions or whatever. I'm not really that clued up as to why um, that helps, but because we get a lot of lot of views. I don't know if it's the same people who view the video in multiple sittings or if it's uh, that many individual views of the video. But um, yeah, just just leave a comment in the video or on the Facebook page for the next podcast, and whoever it is will check both anyway, like we normally do. So. Comment, like, share, subscribe. And, um, yeah, we're nearly at 100. 91 now. So we went up from the other day, Dan, which is good. Brilliant. Um, I think we went up by three or four, which is really cool. Uh, we're nearly there, so I really should think about a prize for 100 subscribers. <laughs> Still not thought of one. But um, I, I promise when we hit that um, that milestone, I will think of a suitable prize and get it out to the person, whoever. whoever I'll do a random number generator uh 
put all the people that because I can see the list of subscribers. I put all yeah. those people in a, a number, random generator, and then whatever number it lands on, I'll contact that person on YouTube and send them their prize. So, <clears throat> cool. Um, so the comments from my post that I put on Facebook, uh, Clayton was just thanking Jack. And he put, as we are nearing the end of the year, what are your hobby ambitions for 2020? Any new projects and any events you plan to attend next year? Uh, E.g. Articon and Seven Stones uh, are some of the ones that he's probably looking forward to. I think me and Dan covered our hobby projects for next year in the last pod. But for me, yes. it's um, I've got a few things that I want to finish uh, in the shed. I've got uh, my elves, my Rivendell elves. Uh, my Angmar Orcs. Uh, I've got some Goblin Town that I want to finish, and then uh, I've got some Corsairs that I need to finish. So, trying to finish off things before buying new shiny things, but the the temptation is always there to buy. Easier said than things. done, isn't it? <laughs> but I am trying to get that stuff done, um, which is why I've asked for vouchers for Christmas, so I don't have to particularly get more. I can just get things when I want to get them for things when yeah. I, as a reward for finishing off other armies. But in terms of events, next year is going to be difficult for me for personal reasons. So probably it'll just be another local year. Um, I may try and do Stockport again because it's one of my favourites. Depends what we have this this way in the country, but it'll probably just be local league events and. Mm. I plan on running another uh, escalation event at some point just because this year I think the timing of it was a bit unlucky uh, because it was in between GBHL events and one of our league events. Yeah. So it, it'd be nice to maybe find a month that's not people aren't maybe so busy and then run it then and hopefully get a little bit more um, uptake because it was a good fun to it was good fun to run and I got a lot of good feedback. So for me, it's just local events probably maybe Stockport. Uh, I'd love to go to Sterling as well. So depending on when that is, it's normally around the same sort of time in the year. Um, I may go to Sterling as well. So that's me. Cool. Um, so for mine, um, would probably be ambitious next year is mainly finish off what I've got. I'm still counting that border army as a new project, but that can be kind of moved up and down for most points levels. So I, I want to get that done. Um, also going to finish off my Isengard which will tie in nicely with Rohan at war, or war in Rohan, rather. Finish off my Rivendell, get my Radagast Alliance done. These are all kind of on their way, so it's not like starting them completely fresh. So but mainly getting everything done. Again, similar to Josh, before buying loads of new stuff, which may or may not happen, but we'll see. Also, kind of want to do a Rohan now, <laughs> which will tie in with the supplement, which is probably going to make me want to do it even more, so I'll probably buy a load. And I've recently actually sold a load of Rohan and now I want them all again. So I don't know what I'm going to do with that. In terms of events, get to as many of the East Anglia ones as possible. Like I said last year, I could pick and choose the dates. That worked out well for me personally. I'll make to as many as I can. And I would hoping to go Seven Stones. And it will probably be one of either Ardicon or one of the Warhammer World events. Because weekend events that are far away are a bit hard for me to do. So it will be one of Articon, GT, and Throne of Skulls, one of them three maybe, because we've spoke about this before going some of us, so maybe one of those. So the events um, I'm going to go to next year, um, I'm going to try and get to as many local ones as possible, um, but I really want to get to Seven Stones this year because I missed 
uh, sorry, next year, because I missed this year's, and um, Ardacon, I think. So um, I try and get to Ardacon once every two years, sort of on average, um, and I missed this year. So next year's next year next year we're due, and I think um, there's a couple of us all already looking at exploring Airbnbs and what have you. So yeah, no, it'd be quite good. Um, so yeah, I mean guess we'll see what happens planning wise uh hobby wise um as as josh said we sort of touched on it in the last one um i've got i've got quite a bit to do on quite a few lists that i've sort of half started but um i'm trying to finish off the heroes from the gondor at war release um at the moment so on my painting table i've got hurin and ingold and Arlis. Nice. As well as the Mordor heroes from, um, so I've got you know Goroth and Zagdush, um, and it'd just be good to get the um, play some of the scenarios from it. Yeah, I've got a load of of Osgiliath terrain as well to put up and deal with. So I'm probably going to have to ask James, friend of the channel, um, <laughs> to uh, give me some pointers on. On his on how to do terrain, so yeah, so that's my what I think's next. But then, of course, with Rohan at War coming out, I imagine that all that will hit a hard stop, and I'll do something else. Most likely, Rohan. <laughs> well, the new shiny stuff. Yeah, new shiny stuff, obviously. Um, but yeah, so uh, CJ. Well, usually paintings sort of the last thing I want to do i sort of paint it to an acceptable standard such that i can play with it um uh so for once i've got something on a very slow burn that will probably take most of next year got a display board that's been custom made and um trying to get the right uh bronze armor and dark blue cloth mixtures so i'm doing a lot of test painting and hopefully that'll look really nice when it's all put together. It's a bit of a crossover with another um, fantasy genre. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of inspired by um, Callum Royal, who comes and does uh, strange kind of mashups. He did his uh, Pirates of the Caribbean courses of Umbar most recently. So I want to do something like, like that. Um, uh, in terms of events, I'm not sure. Because... I've had a number of incredibly negative experiences in tournaments this year, which were putting me to the point of wanting to stop playing to the extent that I possibly wasn't even going to come to the league finale last weekend. Um, so I don't know. Um, inter EHC is usually pretty safe because there's nice people and there's interesting armies, and it's almost always green, and by the sounds of it, will continue to be so. But as Josh has touched on in his recent podcast, um, the last three months have been fairly abysmal for me health-wise, and so I'm having to spend a lot of money on um, fixing my broken knees and things. So uh, I'm going to have to save up and pick and choose events mm. next year so i might give gbhl ones a miss for a while just because that kind of win at all costs mentality isn't fun to play against for me anymore mm. um and so the strider cup is one i always love to go to because that's just complete 
lunacy. I'll finish uh, that again next year. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, that's great fun. Um, I'll do as many do as many EHC ones as I can afford to get to, and then other to that, it's going to be very very uh, selective. Mm. Right. What's the next question? Uh, Sam has. Uh, he'd like to see a wide array of points, values, and list restrictions, e.g. must contain a hero of legend slash hero over 100 points. So again, that's something we can discuss. Um, and he's got his own event, so he's you know as long as it's green, as long as it adheres to Jack's league rules, I don't see why that would be an issue. Um, shameless plug, we've already discussed it, but his league event in March, potentially on the 21st. He's then asked, what was your personal favourite game of the league, and can you quickly outline how it went down? So four of us, we all got... It's very hard to say, isn't I, it? I could, I could probably... One that springs to mind mm. was the game me and CJ played of... Might have been, was it Recon? And we, I think you won 1-0 by a mm. leader VP. And it was, yep. it was quite an intense game and competitive game without being too gamey, but both taking it relatively seriously in a light-hearted mm-hmm. way, if that's making any sense. But um, for a game that was 1-0 and it wasn't an all-action, all-swinging game, there was a few bits going on. It was a really interesting tactical game. That's one that springs to mind. There's I got, lots yeah, of other good I got a wound on Glorfindel with an Orc tracker yeah. needing a 5-plus, five, a five then a 6-by-4 after the horse or the rider roll, and then he bombed through all three of his fate points. And I was like, okay, Jeez. that is a hell of a way to steal a win, but yeah. But no, it was an it was a very tactical game. It was very backwards and forwards. It wasn't even backwards and forwards. It was both just wait and see what the other done. It, yeah, it was a good game. I, I thought mm. of one. It sprung to my head. It's because Dan's in the call, and because <laughs> I, I like I like giving him shit on the podcast. So yeah. when me and Dan played, uh, I think it was what th- two three events ago, maybe. Um, oh, yeah, we've, been, yeah. we've been sending each other our lists back and forth and discussing how my list was a good counter for his list and how his list is obviously a hard counter for my list and um, it ended up being a nil-nil draw um, <laughs> <laughs> with Dan essentially all he had to do was heroic combat the right way and he would have won and he went the wrong way and, and basically lost himself the win so it's probably a, a, the most fun game purely because we sort of built up to it and then we drew each other from Swiss and then me snatching a draw from defeat somehow because Dan went the wrong way in his heroic combat. It's it sounding like a theme, this, isn't it? Me making the wrong choices at the uh, critical. <laughs> I don't want to keep bringing it up, mate, but I, I, <laughs> <laughs> that event didn't go very well for me, but it's the last game I think I played, so it was quite fun. Uh, one other part of that, question as well I didn't answer was the hero that performed best this year sure. um, was probably it was early on but it was probably Gilgalad at lower points mm. which I can't remember if I did particularly well at the events but he himself was just absolutely wrecking face the only yeah. league event I've done well at this year uh, in terms of winning all my games um was the, le- the event where I took the Blackgate Opens list. Uh, so you automatically mm. assume I'm going to say the mouth of Sauron, and that's because I am. Um, <laughs> the Troll Chieftain is good, but I often find that because you're relying on him too much, he whiffs a lot. Whereas the mouth, I'm like, yeah, I'll just chuck him in. I've charged, I've got three dice, and he's just a very reliable troop killer if, you're, if they're not high um, fight five. Yeah. So um, 
yeah, for me in that in that terms of because I've I've tried a lot of other Shagrat was very good for me actually as well in the event where I use Shagrat. So one of those two. Cool. Dan, your hero of the year. Um oh god. Um my shout would be Imra Hill for you, but it's shade, wouldn't it? <laughs> we <laughs> Yeah, definitely the shade. Um you know what? Yeah, Imra Hill, I was using him early doors part of the year and he was he's just a beast. And what he gave that very list good to his points. Yeah, and obviously making the the knights nearby fight five as well. Um yeah, banner. Yeah, fight five with the banner and he was just very good. I really enjoyed using him. Um I think it's the first it was you know, back in when the new rules come into vogue so you can use the big heroes again. Yeah. He he was just he wrecked most things for me and I'd I just most of my Gondor a lot of the time with Gondor you can't you can't wound. And then right. you'd have Imre Hill just killing half the army by himself. Strengthful with a lance, yeah. Yeah, with, with some knights. And it was, yeah, he, he's my uh, my most valuable hero, I think, of the year. What about you, CJ? I haven't tended to sort of use one list or no, tend... I've, I was going to say, I've yours experimented be, a lot this year. Yours could be quite interesting because you've used a lot of different armies. Yeah, I mean, Suladan with your six-inch banner for 100 points is... Kardush, since he got the re-release, and I've been playing with him. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, Flame Burster. My favourite trick was uh, Witch King compels the banner away from supports. Kardush sets him on fire. Uh, no more banner. Uh, Gundabad Shamans I've tried out, and that's great, because you can just go like, ooh, that's a nice banner. Snap. Yeah. No resist No resist for you. I would actually point to a unit and not a hero, which would be the Bat Swarms, because there is nothing you can do against them. They're 35 no. points, they're 12-inch flying infantry, and they have your fight value rounding down, and that mm. happens after heroic strikes. So if you stick that with something that either is fight six or higher or can strike up to fight six or higher, your opponent is basically helpless. And to mm. be honest, I think that's a bit unbalanced. I would probably say, to make the rule a bit fairer, you could have it so that their original fight value is halved rounding down, and then they can strike up from there. Because then at least you give them a chance. A chance. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I was playing James Wilson at Lords of Battle with a Moria list earlier in the year, and he had the Grey Company. So I thought, oh, I'm in for trouble here. But um, yeah, I mean, he's got Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, and it doesn't matter. Because mm. as soon as you stick in Groblog with a Bat Swarm and Durbert's with a Bat Swarm, or Bat Swarm with an enraged spider that's now fight six, nothing they can do. You just surround mm. it and. You combine them with prowlers, which get plus two to wound when you're trapped, and you just that's it, they're gone. And they can piercing strike, so Gimli's uh, getting wounded on fours. Or oh, Dan, Dan knows. Uh, Eagles oh. getting hacked to pieces on fours is just yeah. disgusting. Let's just yeah. shit on Dan for the last five minutes, let's do it. Yeah. Said <laughs> <laughs> so the reason you invite me on, I swear. Uh, it's for your charm and good looks, mate. <laughs> Got a face for radio. What can I say? And you wonder why I took a shade. <laughs> Cameron Bell's left a comment. Uh, he enjoyed the couple of tournaments he attended. Uh, Battle of Five Armaments was really good, even without the dropouts. Uh, the other event, which was the one won by me, and he wants to attend more next year. And he also just wants to mention Sam Hardy's dice for five minutes and how bad they are. <laughs> They're just so, legendary. They're I've never so known bad. anyone's dice to be... 
so um what's the word crap it's atrocious well, no, they are that is they are all the correct words but it's how consistently bad they are yeah <laughs> and it's not even just rolling low because as he will happily point out if he needs the game to end on a one or a two, he'll roll sixes for days. It's just, <laughs> yeah, he's just the unluckiest man I've ever known. I've doubles partnered with him twice, and it's just like, what? You're like a plague, Huddy. I mean, as bad, Sam's actually a very good player. His dice yeah. lose yeah. games. It's awful. Mm. It really is. Do you know, I've just quickly got up the league. Results. I didn't actually play Sam this year. I think I played him once. I didn't play Dan either. No, that's true. We we had a number of practice games though, so that that's enough. Yeah. yeah I played Jack <laughs> once. Twice. Did I win both? Uh, I won. The one was to seize the prize. Oh, we don't Buffalo. count. We don't. And then the other one <laughs> was the <laughs> the other one was seize the prize as well that you won. Do you remember when the river was dividing across the board? And yeah, Google that was a tactical genius. Girl. That one was tactical genius <laughs> on my part. Uh, <laughs> your one had flying things and I couldn't touch them. So anyway, um, yeah. So I think well, <laughs> Sam, we need to just buy you some new. Di- I, I don't even think that would help. I've given him dice no. before. Um, well, no, he in, he infects. Sorry, I was going to say, he infects other players. Like, he'll go near James Wilson, who's rolling a <laughs> crucial thing to win the game, and just, there's the one. He's like the tainted of He's dice. The tainted of uh, dice, SBG. <laughs> oh, brilliant. He's going to get new league dice, so maybe maybe he, he might get some better luck. Yeah, I've, I've asked Tom for a, a specific uh, colour just for me as well, because I'm special. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we can call it there. As I said, the other comments are just related to loving jack and it's it's just but he's already been modest and uh said it's it's not a one-man show so fair play um so i think we'll wrap it up big thank you to jack for being uh, a guest on his own podcast yep. um big thank you again to cj and dan for helping us out and giving us some insight into games on the league finale because myself and jack didn't play if you're looking forward to next year leave another like you can only leave one but leave two um, leave a like in the comment section that'll count double that's it thank you everyone so... did we have CJ's question this week do you have one this week oh uh, we did the which profiles are capable of restoring fake points didn't we so there you yes. go we've got Galadriel Galadriel Hermira Bill the Pony Ori the Dwarf Tom and Goldbury okay question for this time will be which men profiles can wound defence five on threes without using heroic strength or channeled enchanted blades? I think I know one. I, I know one. Very certain. Um, I, might know, I might know on threes, yeah? Uh-huh. I think I know two, actually. So which men profiles can wound defence five on threes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I've got two. I think I've got one. Yeah, we won't, we won't give out the answers like I normally do. So, let's <laughs> <laughs> see today's question of the week. Put your answers in the comments section and we'll try and get another episode up, assuming this goes up the week that you're listening to it, next week. And we'll yeah. catch you all later. See you. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye.